What's up, everybody? This is Word of a Rebel, and I want to talk today about the the real vision that I have for the future future of our economy and of our world. You know, we've grown so accustomed to this um, this way of being that we have people in poverty, we have a so-called working or middle class, and then we have affluent people. And my vision for the future is that we don't have to have poverty. We have people who are working in middle class and we have affluent people. And that the only difference between someone who's in the working and middle class and the affluent class is very simply choices and willingness to participate in a business. Because not everybody wants to have a business that has responsibility for a large scale project or like a lot of employees. Not everybody wants that, right? So you could choose to not have affluence, but in choosing not to have that big business wealth, you should not have to be in poverty. Nobody should. And it is very doable. And so that's what I want to talk about. It's like, how do we create this more equitable economy where no one is in poverty? And one of the major things is we have to look at like, who are the people in poverty? Okay, so we've got people who are disabled, we have the elderly, um, and we have people with um, lack of education, so people who maybe dropped out of school, things like that, or people who are recovering drug addicts, and I say recovering because every person who is actively an addict has the opportunity to become a recovering person and getting out of that process, right? So these are typically the people who are in poverty. Um, and then we have the people who can't get a job uh, that pays them more than this bare bones poverty level minimum wage that we still have in the United States. Okay, so that's point one. You got to diagnose the, the symptoms, diagnose the situation. All right, so the people who are um, physically unable to participate in the workforce in the same way that others are and the elderly. Let's look at that group first. Why can't we provide them with economic opportunity that they're willing to do? Now, if they're elderly and they just flat out don't want to work, we should very simply give them a living wage. That's what Social Security is supposed to be. Now, as we know, um, certain pieces of the government have dwindled down our Social Security, so we don't have as much of it. But if anything, the pandemic showed us that taxes can be invested and grow wealth and we have the opportunity to give to people uh, so the elderly could very easily have a stipend um, why can't we provide them all with a food stipend like think about it this way if you're 75 and over why shouldn't you automatically without having to go through hoops without having to lose any dignity why shouldn't you automatically get a card that allows you to buy enough food for yourself why shouldn't we be able to pay for the utilities and housing of people 75 and over not everybody's gonna need it right there's there's plenty of people 75 and over who have retirement and they're fine but if somebody needed it that should not even be a question like why is it even a question their health care should be taken care of you know we have Medicare okay let's keep that going but if somebody who is over the age of whatever and they're considered, considered retirement age or older, if they want to participate in, in economics, they should be able to. 
and they should be able to and make a decent wage. The same thing goes for people who have various forms of disability. Like I know someone in my family who has a disability due to brain damage uh, during birth. Um, and this person was never able to fully develop um, their brain capacity. And this person was able to work several years uh, in a bakery and was very happy, very pleased, um, earned, a, you know, a decent income. And just, it was really great to see that, right? So in other words, people who are of retirement age or over and people who have, you know, limited physical or mental capacity can still participate, economically speaking. So if you have a business, businesses should be encouraged to find ways to employ people regardless of their age or physical or mental limitations. That's number one. So we looked at we looked at two major groups, right? People who have physical or mental um, limitations are people who are over retirement age. Okay, now we found a way for them to be economically empowered. Now let's look at some of the other groups. Now we talked about people who have less than a high school diploma, okay? Um, that group has skills that could be applied to getting a decent job, right? Um, there are plenty of people who don't go to college who have skills that can be applied into various businesses. So one of the things I think that we have to get out there, distributed among the people is, um, people need to believe in themselves enough to apply for a job. And we also need to tell people, look, if you have a business and you know somebody comes to you and says they don't have a high school diploma, don't immediately dismiss them just because of that. Look at who the person is. What is what what experience do they have? Because really, to be honest, what is the difference between a 30-year-old who never graduated high school and the 20-year-old who graduated high school but doesn't have a university degree? What is the difference skill-wise? Not really much of anything. So just because the 20-year-old has a diploma from high school, does that really mean they're going to assist your business any better than that 30-year-old? Now think about the 30-year-old. If the 30-year-old didn't graduate high school, but they've had jobs, okay, so they know how to hold a job down, they know how to be responsible, they've been paying bills on time, so they're equal to me in skill capacity. They're equally capable of being trained. And if anything, the 30-year-old probably has more determination to pay attention. Now, I'm not hating on any 20-year-old because when I was 20, I was hella ambitious. So yeah, I, I was quickly learning and adapting and growing. But I'm just saying, why discount somebody because of their lack of a high school diploma? We have to switch the culture up for that particular group. Now, this particular group, the one who doesn't have at least a high school diploma, it's very similar to the other group that I mentioned, which is the one stuck on minimum wage income. We have to, without a doubt, increase the minimum wage and we have to include service industry personnel. Now, what's crazy about this, of course, with the pandemic, a lot of service industry people have actually not been able to work. Um, but in other roles, the service industry has been modified. Certain businesses have changed their business model and they're able to employ people. But the minimum wage is still stupid low. Now, people are like, well, I don't want to raise the minimum wage because it's going to raise the cost of things. The cost of things increased anyway. I don't know if you weren't paying attention. But inflation still happened. The only thing that didn't rise was income. And that's a problem. There are certain countries in the world that um, their minimum wage rises with inflation. That's as it should be. 
we should not have to wait every 20 years to have Congress decide to vote on an increase in the minimum wage. That should not even be a thing. The, the minimum wage should be adjusted every year in accordance with inflation. So right now, I think people are saying, you know, $15 minimum wage, but in certain cities, it needs to be higher than that. Because as we know, the cost of living is different depending on where you go. And there's various factors at play. Like, it, the price of certain things is going to be more expensive in certain spaces simply because of how costly it is for the business to get the products there, right? So, like, for example, if you are in South Louisiana, gas prices are probably going to be lower than they would be maybe in, like, Wyoming, okay? Why? The gas itself is not any more expensive, but the transportation of the gas was more expensive, you see what I'm saying? So we have to adjust for cost of living in a particular area. This can be done. Like none of this is completely like out the box, right? But the reason I mentioned service industry is because a lot of people don't realize the service industry has like this loophole where they say, well, we're offering them tips. And so a lot of the time service industry personnel make more on tips than they would if we pay them minimum wage. I'm called bullshit. It's not fair. A person should get a basic wage in addition to their tips, right? In some countries, you don't even have to tip because guess what? You're already paying the person a decent wage because you're paying more for your food. You're paying for the experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just given. So, in the United States, we have got to completely stop being so damn selfish. Like, when y'all say that shit, well, I don't want to pay more for my cheesy fries at this restaurant, you know, just to give this person a higher wage. Well, then don't go to the damn restaurant. If you ain't got the money to make sure that your fellow American gets a decent wage to serve you your freaking cheesy fries... Like, that is ridiculous. In other words, you okay with, with what amounts to indentured servitude. Because indentured service really didn't get paid, you know, very much of nothing back in the day. That's really what you're doing. Except, you know, well, I'm not going to say these people work. The indentured service didn't necessarily work harder. It's probably pretty equivalent, right, to what a, what a person in the service industry does. Like, that's, you know, it's like, well, it's not slavery, huh? <laughs> you know what? F you. Seriously, it's indentured servitude and it's painful and hurtful. And I'm just sick of these selfish people. And a lot of these people who fix their face to say it also call themselves Christian and holy and things like that. So you're willing to abuse a person, have them paid $2.13 an hour to serve you your cheesy fries and your margarita. When, you know, if you paid a little bit more for your order and then everybody paid a little bit more for your for the orders um these people could get a regular living wage and that's all that we're asking for so look at that we went through each of the groups and we found the solution number one raising the minimum wage in accordance to inflation and cost of living adjustment per location that's number one right Getting uh, people who are 75 and older automatic access to food, medical care, and shelter across the board. No questions asked. You're an American citizen. Guess what? You get to have these benefits because you've been out here 
doing the life of working and being a part of our nation. Hallelujah. There you go. Wouldn't it be beautiful and amazing if we all knew that we had that coming? Like, man, if, you know what? If you if you live to be 75, the rest of your life, you get to you get to relax and be easy and breathe and be taken care of appropriately. And thank you for your service to this country, not just for being a veteran, but for being a working part of this nation for 75 years come on out people you know that sounds more than proper okay and then when you have people over retirement age which I think right now retirement is what like 65 so let's say 60 on up right people want to work they should you know the business model needs to be reformulated and if we had an increase in the minimum wage people who were working could be comfortable on these wages these are things that we can do now the rest of it is personal choice the choice to take the actions to build a business to take these opportunities to get educated and to learn how to use the education for advancement what does education look like education just looks like skill development and knowledge development that's it education is skill development and knowledge development the only thing that that you know turns education into wealth building is your choice to take action on what you learned. That's that's what wealth building is. You know, you don't whether you go to a degree program or not, if you choose to use that knowledge and those skills, you can make wealth. You can accumulate wealth. And with that kind of concept, you know, where we at least solidify that nobody should be in poverty anymore. We can all be more comfortable. Do you understand that if we actually did this, like this is my vision, right? This is my vision of what the future of this country should be and all countries, to be honest. If we did this, do you understand how low the crime rate would be? Think about that for a second. Oh my God. Because it's been proven, research has proven it. Um, crime rates increase as poverty rates increase. Um, healthcare gets more expensive and mental health depletes as poverty increases. Everything about managing a nation and managing a household gets more expensive when you have issues of poverty that lead to crime and health deficits. It's been proven. If you don't believe me, look it up. There's so much research on this that proves it to be true. So if we could do this, if we could raise the minimum wage to a living wage, if we could restructure business so that employment opportunities are given to people regardless of mental or physical deficits, and I'm not saying, you know, don't give them an executive job, but give them something that they can do. Look at your, look at the scope of the tasks that you have to get done and what could somebody do? What, you know, who could you give this to? Do, you know, this reminds me of um, this exercise that I did with a group of people. Uh, I think I was like 20 at the time when we did this exercise and it stuck with me and it probably always will because in the exercise, um, certain people, like basically everybody was told, you know, some of the people had specific injuries and some of the people were fully healthy and I was one of the people who was considered to be fully healthy. And there was a task that we had to accomplish. And the, the way to quickly accomplish the task 
was if you had enough foresight to understand that every person was capable of doing something. And we, of course, we messed up, you know, as most people do with this exercise. We messed up. Everybody who was told that they were not injured um, tried to do all of the work. And each person who had some sort of an injury was, like, not utilized. And it took us forever to finish the task. And they told us afterwards, okay, try now thinking creatively about what each person in this group can do. Look at your team. This person has one good arm and one hurt arm and both their legs work. Why didn't you utilize that person? Why did you think they couldn't do anything? So it's the same principle, like keeping that in mind, um, looking at your business model. Could you alleviate the burden on a particular person in your company provide an opportunity to someone else say for example a person who can't necessarily get to the office you know but they can work remotely and maybe there's a portion of the job that they can do and then imagine you know productivity increases wealth increases this is very simple things that we as a nation can do to ensure the sustainability of the future because the more that we provide this kind of blanket, the better that it is going to be for all of us. So, I don't know. I, you know, initially, I was just going to talk this out to myself because I was like, just when I'm driving, I'm always talking to myself about what I'm working on, um, trying to get my visions in place. And the thing is, like, I know, I know that this is something I want to see. Um, I am one specific citizen in a country of over 300 million. But what I know is there's a lot of people who agree with me. A lot of people who agree with me. I'm not sure that the national level will do this. Oh, one thing about our nation is um, typically national level change happens after the states start to do a thing. So maybe we can start it in Louisiana. Louisiana happens to be a very wealthy state. You wouldn't know it, but this is an incredibly wealthy state. Uh, wealthy in natural resources and wealthy in people power. Um, so maybe it starts here. I don't know. Um, maybe it starts in the city. Maybe it starts in like one specific city in the state of Louisiana and then it grows. I don't know. Um, I do know that we have no choice but to make the change. There's so much suffering and it's so needless. Like, the suffering doesn't have to be here. Like, we, there's no reason why we should have any family where the primary, you know, caregiver or provider um, is making, you know, like, poverty wages. And because of those poverty wages... Number one, I just, I just want to give you the scope of like a person who ends up having to rely on government assistance, okay? Let's say, for example, you got um, a primary caregiver for the household, works as a dishwasher at a restaurant. And this person makes, you know, minimum wage. They work um, 60 hours a week washing dishes. On their feet, washing dishes, 60 hours a week. I'll be nice, 50 hours a week, okay? 50 hours a week, let's say that. They work five days a week, 10 hours a day, and they make minimum wage. 
All right. That's probably pretty typical. Um, and so, let's say, so 7 times 50 is $350 um, per week. And so $350 per week means that this person is making $1,400 a month. Um, they're making a little bit less than that because they're paying a little bit in taxes. So let's say after some taxes and some insurance comes out, they're making $1,200 a month. Okay, $1,200 a month. The majority of apartments in any city in the state of Louisiana is going to cost you anywhere between $600 to $900. And $600 apartments are crap and not comfortable. And I can hear people saying, okay, well, this person can get Section 8 and Section 8 will pay their rent. Okay, so Section 8 requires certain regulations. Um, you lose the dignity of independent control over your household because now Section 8 wants to know everything about your business. And you have to apply for the program and you have to have a counselor and a social worker. And so you have to deal with that intrusion into your space. Whereas if you simply had a living wage, this wouldn't be a problem. Also, taxpayer money is subsidizing what businesses aren't willing to pay. So for people who are like, hey, I want to cut the budget, okay, make businesses pay a living wage. You're either going to pay more for your cheesy fries and your margarita, or you're going to pay more taxes to take care of people in poverty. Because let's reevaluate this person's income. If that income, instead of being $7.25, was $15 an hour, right? A little bit more than double, okay? That initial $1,400 would be $2,800 a month. Take out their taxes and their insurances. It's probably going to be more like $2,300 to $2,400. All right, let's say $2,300, okay? This person has take-home pay of $2,300 a month. Now, they're able to afford that apartment free and clear. They don't have to have a social worker bothering them, telling them who can and can't be in their space. Um, not only that, they have more expendable income. And so they can save for the future. They can have vacations with their kids. Their kids can have everything that they need. How beautiful and amazing would that be? That's the reality, right? That's the difference. And, you know, across the board, you have fewer people that are stressed out, fewer people pinching pennies. Um, it's just all in all just so much better, so much healthier for all of us. And then that dishwasher could potentially, you know, he could stay at that job if he wanted to, or he could utilize that money and, I don't know, invest in some real estate. Why not? Maybe he gets into a co-op ownership of a, of a real estate investment. And now he's got extra income coming in. So now he doesn't have to work 50 hours anymore. Maybe now he can say, look, I only want to work 40. I only want to work 30. Because now he's got extra income coming in from other things that he was able to do. You know? Or maybe he continues to work the 50 hours. Just because, you know, he's like, whatever. This is, you know, this is a job. You know, it is what it is. And some people are going to choose that. And that's perfectly fine. The point is... Man, freedom of choice, dignity, control over your space. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and then for people who are worried about tax money, 
it's saving all of us money. On top of that, it's not only saving us money, but when you reduce poverty, like I said again, it's reducing the crime rate. So neighborhoods are more secure. You can spend less on crime prevention because less of it's happening. You don't have to worry about people getting arrested as much. So you don't need as much funds to keep people in prison. You're saving so much money. And on top of that, did you notice that this person's tax investment into the pool went up? Because that's true too. Like when this person was making like $1,400 a month, they were probably paying $100 in taxes, right? Per check or per month, I'm sorry. Um, But when they got into the $2,800 area they're probably paying like 200 to 300 dollars so we're increasing the tax revenue so we're spending less and we're taking in more tax revenue which means that this can be spread out for tax savings to all of us all across the board this kind of you know economic change makes sense um and once again i really didn't intend initially on recording this but it felt good to do so just to get this out there, to get this voiced, because we have grown accustomed to the expectation for hundreds and hundreds of years, we've been programmed generationally to believe that it is normal to have poverty, to believe that we got to have poverty, working middle class, affluent people. Why? That's not necessary. It's not necessary at all. We don't have to let our nation exist that way. We are complacent because it has become normalized. I'm going to repeat that one. We are complacent because poverty has become normalized. But we can choose to make it no longer normalized. We can choose to make it different. And that's the moment that we're in right now. We have this opportunity to make it different. And while we're approaching and dealing with this pandemic, businesses just very simply need to reevaluate how they do business and just make it where it's safer to do business and still make money and have an economy and give jobs and whatnot without exposing people to coronavirus. You know, that's it. Like, stop being so dogheaded. It's the same concept with, you know, removing poverty as a thing making it no longer normal to have poverty same concept all it takes is a willingness to problem solve evaluate the situation and find solutions there are solution bringers in case you haven't noticed like i know i'm one of them we'll present a solution we got to put these solutions into action like Who are these decision makers that are stopping the solutions? Because a lot of people are like, well, they don't want the solutions because they want to maintain control. That's not what it is. They're not going to lose control over anything if they allow the solutions to happen. They're afraid of change. That's what it is. They're afraid of taking a risk. And it's a damn shame. Because a lot of people got wealthy off of innovation. Innovation breeds progress. Innovation breeds wealth. Stagnation and stubbornness leads to failure. It leads to loss. 
And what we're going to notice coming out of this pandemic is the entities, whether they are business or government or whatever, the entities that um, come out of this healthy are going to be the ones that innovated. It's just like whenever the um, the digital age really um, jumped off. You know, stores like Toys R Us tanked because they didn't reformulate their business model. Whereas stores like Best Buy and Walmart, they, they're doing fine because they reevaluated their business model. Instead of them being dog-headed and being like, oh, I wish for the old days. They just adapted. Society's growing. Society is progressing. Move with it right and in this case we're facing a pandemic okay look at the situation assess it make some changes to your business model the only ones who are going to come out of this healthy are the ones who adapted that's the reality and so that's what i'm looking at this i'm like okay i know that i'm a solution bringer that's been my habit long as i can remember i bring solutions but people have to take action and i know that in any organization in any business out there existing right now government, nonprofit, commercialized, whatever the hell, every one of you has a solution bringer in your midst. So the question is, are you telling them to shut up? Or are you actually like actively appreciating what they're bringing to the table and putting it into practice? You know what I'm saying? Like I thought about a, a idea with gas stations. I was like, okay, what if gas stations do this thing where like, I, know, I went to like, you know, those restaurants that have like the the iPad where you are kind of it's an iPad kind of I don't know what it really is but it's like an iPad where you can basically like make your order at the table uh, from the iPad and then they can bring you the food right I'm like okay why don't gas stations do that and then instead of letting people into the gas station uh, what if you put those iPads at the gas pump and a few of them outside of the store and you know how a lot of the gas stations now have like a service window um what if you could go up to the iPad, input, you know, what you want to buy, right? Uh, input, you know, your name or something identifying you as the person. And you could either pay at the iPad, whether you're paying at the pump for everything you want, or you could pay at the iPad that's near the door of the gas station, right? And basically everything they have available would be like on the screen. Um, and you can choose your items. Um, and they already have inventory of these gas stations. So they already know like how much of an item they have. So when it sells out, it can just have an X on it sold out. And you can choose what you want, pay, and then wait in line. And when you get to the window, say, you know, your order number or whatever you, you know, identifying thing the gas station decides on. Uh, and they hand you your items. And if all you need is gas, you just do what you normally do. You pay for your gas and you leave. Um... And honestly, it stands to bring more profit to gas stations because if I'm standing at a pump and I'm putting gas in my car, you know, I'm not thinking about what's in the gas station. But if I'm bored while I'm pumping my gas and I start scrolling through items and I'm like, ooh, you know what? Some funyuns sound nice. I'm going to just add these funyuns to my order right quick. Think about that. Man, if any gas station uses this idea, you know, y'all need to pay me. But I have a million ideas like that. Every business can just kind of evaluate what they do and find a way to make it safer health-wise. Because we can't wait for this federal government to do anything because they ain't doing shit. They're ready to put us all at risk by putting kids back in school, 
So the kids are at risk, the teachers are at risk, the families and friends of kids and the teachers are all at risk. So we're going to further overwhelm our hospital industry unnecessarily. So businesses, take the lead. Make it happen. You know, I'm sharing information on how to increase the number of kids that are homeschooled. You know, let businesses take the lead. Reformulate your business model. Refuse to listen to the government. The government, you know, the current administration, just all worried about self. All worried about what things look like on their end. They ain't worried about solutions. They don't care who dies. They really, literally don't care who dies. But we do. So, you know, adapt. Make these, you know, adjustments to your business model. Find solutions. You got solution bringers. Respect them. Honor them. Put what they say into practice. Stop worrying about ego. Just because you didn't think of the idea. You know what I'm saying? Because that's a tendency. And we have to be honest about it. People are like, well, I didn't think of it. Man, but so-and-so had a good idea. Let me think if I can think of a better idea. You know, don't worry about ego. Ego don't make you money. Let me repeat that one for you. Ego does not make you money. Wise choices do, though. So I'm going to go ahead and end it right here, everybody. This has been Word of a Rebel. I just wanted to kind of put together my thoughts on my vision for the economic future, kind of like the problem solving. This was a totally off the cuff recording. Um, I hope that you got something out of this, something that you can apply, um, maybe something that you can speak about or discuss with people in your life. Um, hopefully, like I said, once again, pick something that you can apply to your life. I really hope that somebody who is in business heard this and is kind of thinking to themselves like you know what maybe I should make some adaptations to my business model and maybe I should find ways to offer economic opportunities to people because uh, it's going to give you also increased productivity and wealth if you're able to expand your business model and like I said giving opportunity to people you didn't think about employing beforehand and adapting your business model to the pandemic think about that in both of these, you're giving opportunity in a way that is going to give back to you tenfold. As always, this has been Word of a Rebel. If you're interested in my real estate information, visit revolutionrealestate.org. If you're interested in continuing the conversation, or maybe you're a business and you're like, you know what, I like this girl, I want to offer her a job, we can work something out. Hit me up at Word of a Rebel on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok at Word of Rebel. You can also email me, Jessica, at wordofarebel.com. I look forward to the dialogue and discussion and what are your visions for the future? What are things that you want to see for our society? Because we need sustainability. We need equity. We need progress. We need solutions. And we need action on those solutions. What is something that you're envisioning for our collective future? I look forward to hearing from you. Peace.